Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Live and local, as we are Monday through Friday here in Richmond, Virginia. From 12 to 3 p.m., 910 The Fan is the home for the first ever football festival. The inaugural football festival headed to River City Roll August 19th. From 3 to 7 p.m., we've got two great bands, uh, Chris Leggett, Fight Club, JMU will be represented, GJ Dukesta will be the DJ on stage. We're going to have reps from all different universities, including Dave Rigert, who is the play-by-play voice of the James Madison Dukes, and he joins us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Dave, how are you today? What's up, Adam, man? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm fired up. JMU went 8-3 and three last season, jumped into the top 25 briefly, and then ended the year with a decisive 47-7 to win over 23-ranked Coastal Carolina. How excited are people there on campus at JMU for this season? Uh, they're pretty excited. Last year obviously went just about as well as it probably could have. I, I don't know that anybody expected them to go 8-3 and three in year number one in their transition to the FBS, so I think it went better than expected. Um, now there's there's obviously a ton of excitement. They've, they've sold more season tickets this year than any other year in the history. They're already talking about now potentially expanding Bridge Force Stadium. So the excitement is there, but there's also frustration in just knowing that they, they put in the waiver to get the transition down from two years to one year, and they'd be eligible to win a championship this year if that would have passed. Well, obviously, the NCAA came down a, a few months ago and said that that's not going to happen. So... They can't win the Sun Belt Championship. There is still a way they can get to a bowl game, but excitement still is at an all-time high right now just because of what they did a year ago. And, and again, the, the talent that they've got coming back, it should be a really fun year again this season. Yeah, so, you know, it's exactly right here. It's So it's going to be a, a struggle frustrating this year that they're good enough to compete in the Sun Belt, uh, but you can't uh, obviously win it. So how can the Dukes build off of last year's success for the program? Well, I think it's just that the, the program is they, they've got a standard that is pretty high. And I, don't, I think when they, they knew they were going to go into this transition and even though they couldn't compete for a championship, they still didn't lose a ton of guys to the portal. Obviously, the Antoine Wells going to South Carolina, Diamante Tucker Dorsey going to Texas, even this year, Isaac Uku going to Ole Miss. Yeah, some of those guys laughed. A lot of that was NIL. Some of it's not being able to play for a championship, but they've been able to retain almost all their guys for the most part, and get some good guys in. And I just – the standard is a standard at JMU, and they want to play at a high level. They, they were competing for national championships at the FCS level every single year, and they don't want to drop off. And, and they didn't last year. Heck, they were they were first place in the East after they beat Coastal Carolina, the game that you talked about. And they feel like – I mean, they're the preseason favorites to win it this year. Even though they can't win it, they still are the preseason favorites by the coaches to finish first in the, in the uh, Sun Belt East. So the, the expectations are very, very high. Um, there still is a way to play for a bowl game. And so there is a bowl possibility if there are enough eligible teams, as long as JMU wins six games, they look at JMU and and they can play for a bowl game. So there's still a lot to play for and and build on. Um, It's it's not a huge senior class. So again, they've got some seniors who will be a part of this, but there's still young guys that want to build and be a part of championships in the future as well. 
It's Dave Rigger here with us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. He is the radio voice of the James Madison Dukes football, basketball, baseball, and softball. Talking JMU football right now on the fans. So part of the success last season was the incredible play of quarterback Todd Centeo. Now, I know the Dukes brought in a few quarterbacks, Arizona's Jordan McLeod, uh, Wake Forest, Brett Griffiths. What's that quarterback battle going to be like? Well, that is the, that's the big question mark right now. And, and to be honest with you, that was the question mark last year at this time. We knew Todd Santeo was coming in from Colorado State and probably was the favorite, but we didn't know. And we, he, he hadn't put up huge numbers in his career. So last year, a, a lot of their success was because of Todd Santeo. And, and now it is a wide-open competition. Um, nobody really stepped forward in the spring. It's probably a two-man race. Um, between Alonzo Barnett, a redshirt freshman uh, from North Carolina. He, he's been here for now for two spring balls. Um, this will be his second fall camp. So he's, he's got a pretty good idea of the system. He's a very intelligent kid, a very athletic kid, um, a lively arm. They, they think he's going to be really, really good. Is he ready? He probably would have been the guy after spring ball just because Jordan McLeod had just come on campus. He had, that was his first spring. But Jordan McLeod will be the, the guy that, I think I don't know if they hope he wins it. They want the best quarterback, obviously, to win it. But Jordan McLeod has the experience. And last week at the Sunbelt Media Days, Coach Signetti said multiple times, including to me, including to almost every media outlet, that games two, three, and four this year are all on the road. And he would love to have experience under center taking that shotgun snap when they go on the road to Virginia to Troy, the defending Sunbelt champs, and to Utah State all the way across the country. So I think he even hinted that it'd be nice to have Jordan McLeod win the job and have that experience because he's made 19 starts at, at South Florida and Arizona in his career. But it's going to be the best quarterback is, is going to be the guy on the field. And Alonzo Barnett has a legitimate shot to win this as a redshirt freshman. So it's between those two guys right now. And I think it's it's anybody's guess on, on who it's going to be right now. Well, no matter who the quarterback is, O-line protection will be key for the Dukes. Tell me a little bit about Nick Kidwell, the redshirt senior, all Sunbelt, second team selection, uh, three, socks, three sacks allowed at right tackle last year, 2022. He's an unbelievable kid. He's a great human being, first of all, but he's got a chance if he has a big year to, to get drafted probably mid-rounds, three, four, five, five, somewhere in there in those rounds in the NFL draft. He's, a, a, he's got great size, very intelligent on the offensive line. He's now in his third year as a starter, um, so he's a very talented kid. I think he's got a chance to play on Sundays, and, and um, they, they have thought about moving him to left tackle at some point in time, but he just feels comfortable at right tackle, and, and Right now, they're not going to mess with, with their offensive line. They have all five starters back. And that's going to be, right now, I think, bar none, on, especially on offense, that's the strength of their football team is their line. They didn't allow a ton of sacks last year. They ran the football effectively. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that's going to help whoever the quarterback is, is they it should be able to run the football and protect the quarterback. So with, with those five guys up front, plus actually they've got their top eight guys back from last year. They've got five starters, and they, they, they had to play some other guys as well. So they've got a ton of guys back up front, and that's going to be the, the, the biggest strength offensively for this team. 
It's Dave Briggert here with us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio, and Dave, of course, is the radio voice of the James Madison Dukes. You can tweet us throughout the show at 910thefan or at AWOD Radio. Dave, this question from Stephen in the West End. He, he says, can you ask about the tailgate culture and how students are starting to pack the stadiums now instead of leaving the games early? Well, that's still something they're trying to figure out. Again, they, they do show up early, and, and that's always been a tradition at JMU throughout the years is to get their early tailgate, have fun. Again, when I get to the stadium three hours before the game, there's, still, there's a ton of people already tailgating. But that's an issue that they've had um, for a long time. And, and I think the issue is going to kind of take care of itself. In the past, when they were in the FCS, there were a lot of blowouts. So the student section would be packed. They'd be going crazy. Um, but then they'd, they'd have a lot of blowouts when they were playing – inferior teams and the games got out of hand and that's when that's when students would leave again they're they're not gonna sit there and pay a little more for some beverages there when they can probably go back (laughs) home and get something else so i think that will change because the competition is much different there's going to be closer games in the second half And, and certainly there were at times in the fcs but there will be so much more in the sun belt um, with these regional rivals and everything like that. I think that'll take care of itself where the students don't leave. It is it's something they've talked about, and they, they tried to figure out different ways to try and get the students to stay the entire game. But I think the competition and who they play will take care of itself. Well, Dave, we're going to have the ultimate tailgate and football party at River City Roll August 19th, and you'll be there representing the Dukes? Absolutely. I'll be there. Should be fun. Awesome. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, come on out, members of the Dukes, if you're an alumni or if you are just supporting the JMU program and you can talk with Dave Rigger and get a whole football season preview. That's August 19th with the season beginning September 2nd. And I've already circled that game September 9th against UVA. That is going to be an epic matchup, Dave. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. It's the first time in almost 50 years the two teams have played. And obviously with the success JMU had at the FCS level, a lot of the, the in not even just the in-state Power Fives. They didn't really want to play JMU. They didn't want to have that on their resume. But the next couple of years, they play UVA this year. They play Virginia Tech next year. They'll play North Carolina in a couple of years, Maryland. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Got you covered on both ends of the dial. 910 AM, 105.1 FM, and available around the country on the Odyssey app, downloaded today for free, gives you the ability to rewind, pause the show, run some errands, and pick up right where you left off. 910 The Fan is the home for Richmond's first ever football festival. Coming to River City Roll August 19th from 3 to 7 p.m. with a high school football college and NFL season preview show hosted by yours truly, AWOD. On the fan. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, you can hear him following me, filling in for Grant and Danny alongside Doc Walker. It's Linnell Willingham. What's going on, Linnell? What's going on, Adam? How you doing, my man? I'm, First of all, I appreciate you having me, but what the hell is your gripe with The Rock? <laughs> Dude, I have not been a fan of The Rock for a long time. And you know what? I, I, I didn't go to an XFL game because of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, bro. You're the best. <laughs> do What's you, going on? Do that? you really like The Rock? Do you, are you mad that I don't like Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> I'm I'm actually personally a little upset with The Rock myself right now. I'm a big WWE fan, and right now they've got arguably the best storyline going on in the history of the sport. This thing called the Bloodline with all the Samoans and The Rock is a part of that family, and I want them to come back because I know the uh, 
the, the, the writers in Hollywood are on strike right now, so he's got a little bit of extra time. I'm hoping uh, he pops up to a, a WWE event sometime soon. All right, Linnell, so let's get to training camp. Pads came on today. You know, what's the biggest thing that you, you think we've learned so far in training camp? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've that I've learned to this point, arguably I take away from today, man, with the pads being on, as you mentioned, I think this offensive line has the opportunity to be a little bit better in the run game than we may have initially anticipated. Adam, I'll be honest with you, I spent the entirety of practice watching the offensive line and the defensive line uh, because that's really the, the group that gets affected the most with the pads being put on. Uh, a couple of guys that stood out to me, an undrafted kid, Mason Brooks, uh, had a couple of nice yep. blocks. He's a guard of uh, the offensive lineman out of Mississippi. They actually gave him a little bit extra cash at him uh, during the draft process to secure his services. So he's a priority undrafted free agent. He made some plays, and I think he really has an opportunity to make this football team. Another guy that stood out uh, was Aaron Montero, man. He was on this roster last year, uh, the 6'6", 315-pound tackle out of Boston College, third year in the National Football League, I think, in terms of the backup depth on this Washington Commanders offensive line, those two guys can play a big part in that. And then Ricky Stromberg, the team's third-round pick out of the University of Arkansas, the center, I thought really played well. Do you think Stromberg could be the starting center this season? Yeah, Adam, it seems like there's a consensus going around the media group that Nick Gates is going to be the starting center of this football team. He's struggled the last three practices, Adam, to get the snap down. Uh, Sam Howell proving that white men can't jump going up and high point in the football sometimes. But when you have bad snaps, Adam, you, you know this more than anybody. It messes up the timing of your offense, uh, especially considering that they're going to run a lot of quick game. But to answer the initial question, yeah, I think Ricky Stromberg uh, has an opportunity to be this team's starting center at some point during the season. I just don't know how soon yeah. uh, that's going to actually come. You know, it's interesting. It's almost like people didn't want to put too much pressure on him when he was drafted. Yeah. Out of Arkansas, the SEC best center, and he didn't give up any sacks. I said, oh, we've got our center for the future. And then immediately all the reporters said, no, that's Nick Gates, and all the coaches said that's what we brought in Nick Gates for. I believe it should be Stromberg's job to lose, um, but we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, Let's get to the defensive side of the ball. All eyes are on Chase Young. Has he looked dominant so far? Yeah, he had a couple of pass rushes during the team session. It was a sequence of like three straight rushes against Charles Leno where I described him as dominant, Adam. Uh, the twitch and the burst is back for this dude. I got the opportunity to talk to Logan Thomas after practice the other day, and he told me straight up, man, he gets to go against Chase Young on a pretty regular routine basis. And he said, this feels like the Chase Young that came in and terrorized the league back in 2020. Uh, so definitely high hopes for Chase and what he can be uh, this season as a pass rusher. We all know it. He's in a contract year after the team decided not to pick up his fifth-year option. I've maintained the same sentiments all offseason, Adam. I think. Oh, no. Did we just lose him? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Let's see if we... Oh, Linnell, go ahead. There he goes. I'm still there. Sorry about that. I was saying, I think once the season starts, Chase Young's going to be hell on wheels. I've been saying it all offseason long, man. When you deal with the type of adversity he's had to go through the past 12 to 18 months as a young cat, man, you come out the other side a better person and a better man. I think we're going to see that come before. You know, last year there were reports immediately that – Carson Wentz was inaccurate. I find it, found it interesting that Ben Standing of The Athletic wrote yesterday, it's early, but Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, off to bumpy start, and that the commander's revamped offense is learning to walk that fine line. Uh, what do you make of that, Leno? 
Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, to describe Sam's play, I'll talk about Sam specifically here first, Adam. Dating back to Friday's practice, I think he's been up and down. I think today he was a little bit better. Uh, but we know that they're going to have growing pains. You're installing a new system. And there was an interesting wrinkle that we saw in practice today, Adam. Eric Bieniemy had Sam Howell in the first-team offense going against the second unit during the 11-on-11 work. And Jacoby Brissett in the second-team offense was going against the first-team unit. I think EB wants to ensure that Sam Howell is able to get the guys in and out of the huddle clean and crisply and then be able to run some damn plays, man. This first-team defense for Washington uh, has been dominant throughout the first week of practice. And I think come the regular season, they'll show that they're for real. But I think it's hard to really take anything away from Washington struggling against this defense because of how good they are. When they go up against the Cleveland Browns next Friday for their first preseason game, I think we'll get a better understanding of where everybody on this football team is. I love to hear reports of Eric Bieniemy demanding perfection, throwing F-bombs yeah. left and right, and yanking <laughs> guys in and out of the huddle. Uh, give me your sights and sounds of Eric Bieniemy at Commander's Training Camp. Yeah, he was on one today, Adam. First day at pads. It felt like it was the first day at pads for him, too, man. We <laughs> talked about it dating back to the spring, the attention to detail and the sense of urgency that he's brought to that side of the football. It's trickled down to the defense. Today in particular, on the first play of inside run, Jonathan Allen completely whoops Sadiq Charles with a, with a nasty swim move over the top, and Eric Bieniemy let Sadiq Charles have it. He motivated him, though, Adam, because on the very next rep, Sadiq Charles goes up against John Allen and stonewalls him, so... It's that type of extra juice that he gives the guys, man. And I think, like I keep talking about, man, the sense of urgency and the accountability is something that I think will pay dividends once the regular season starts. Who has impressed you out of the wide receiver core not named Terry McLaurin? <laughs> I'll be honest, Adam, the most impressive wide receiver all of camp, including Terry McLaurin, has been Deami Brown, man. Him and Sam Howell have this UNC connection going on. They worked out together all summer long. And you're starting to see the fruits of that uh, right now, man. Deami Brown has had big-time catch after big-time catch each and every practice. We normally view Deami Brown as a vertical threat, right? We saw the yep. game against Tennessee last year where he took the top off a couple of different times. What stood out to me, Adam, during this training camp in particular, his ability to high point the football. We know he stands at six foot two, and really is the only receiver in Washington's receiver room that has that physical profile, right? When you talk about Terry, Jahan, and Curtis, all guys that are six foot and below, De'Ami Brown's done a really nice job high pointing the football against big time names too, Adam. It's not like he's doing it against the twos and the threes. We've seen him bag Kendall Fuller. We saw him uh, high point the ball today against Emmanuel Forbes. I think the stock is definitely up for De'Ami Brown come the fall. It's Linnell Willingham and Doc Walker coming up after me right here on 910 The Fan in Washington, D.C. from 3 to 6.30. And I love how you guys start the show by welcoming in the <laughs> Richmond audience and Doc just goes, AWOD Nation, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we always got to show some love to the AWOD Army. Programming note. The new father, Grant Paulson, is back in the saddle today. Oh, he is. He okay. will be following. He will be following your show today, my friend. Oh man! Well, you guys did a great job earlier this week, man. And thanks a lot for joining the show today. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you. And chill out on the rock, will you? <laughs> <laughs> That's Linnell Willingham. Follow him on social media. Nell underscore BTP. That's Linnell, as in Nell underscore BTP. I got to make sure everyone understands it, Linnell.
<laughs> He's the man. Wow, look, man, you know that's the biggest running joke right now. Odyssey <laughs> BC is my my damn hashtag on my Twitter handle. <laughs> I appreciate you giving me some time, though, brother. Yep, no worries. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Your home for Richmond's first ever football festival. Coming to River City Roll August 19th. We've got two great bands, Chris Leggett and Flight Club. I'll be joined by DJ Dukesta representing the JMU Dukes. Talk high school football with the czar Gary Hess. College football and the NFL with a full season preview show. And we've got a big sponsor now. found out today. Yep. Thank you, South Park Carpet and Flooring Outlet up in Colonial Heights. I can't wait to check out the store. It's going to be a ton of fun. Football Festival, AWOD's Football Fest, coming to River City Roll August 19th from 3 to 7 p.m. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Tailgate Ted. And Ted, I want to personally invite you to come to Football Festival. It sounds like a blast, Adam. I, I might have to make my trip down there. Absolutely. You know, I was wondering, did you come to River City Roll last year for their commander's party? No, I didn't. I missed it last year. But I know my co-host, Rally Captain, was down there, and he had a great time. Yeah, no, it was awesome. It's the perfect venue uh, for sports fans to get together and celebrate the official kickoff of the football season. That's August 19th at River City Roll. Today marked the first day of pads on at Commander's training camp. Ted, what was it like? Give me the sights and sounds. It was great to be back out there, and I was curious to see. Can, you see those summer blockbuster movies that do good week one, but that following week there's a lull and they don't make as much money? Yeah. I was curious to see, was the fan base going to show up, given that it's another week and maybe people don't care as much. But there were well over 2,000 fans out there. Everybody was excited for pads to be on, and the players definitely had one of their – best practices I've seen, at least from a defensive perspective. From the offensive side, you could have asked for more. Ted, as a diehard fan, I'm curious to hear your take on the facilities, the stands, the view for fans. Kind of explain to my audience here what it's like going to uh, Commander's Training Camp this year compared to last year under owner Dan Snyder. Well, I've been going to camp for 20 years. I I do miss coming down to Richmond and getting some ZZQ and hanging out down there, but they have really upgraded Ashburn. I mean, the stands, the bleachers that they put in, it's crazy how lipstick on a pig can make that damn thing look sexy because <laughs> it's just food trucks out here. It's just porta johns. It's a white picket fence. But you would act like, or fans are acting like, they invested tens of millions of dollars and built a brand-new concrete facility for us. You know, we finally look like a real professional setup, and fans are really appreciated. Yeah, I mean, here in Richmond, I can feel the excitement, uh, but you're being able to see it there in Ashburn, and we've heard reports of tens of thousands of fans uh, out there every single day. And so, you know, being a fan going to it, does it feel like the energy is just at an, a level it hasn't been in 20-plus years? It's definitely never been. Well, I don't want to say never. It hasn't been at this level since Joe Gibbs came back the second time, in my opinion. When Coach came back, the fan base was excited to greet him at camp, and everyone wanted to be around 
Joe Gibbs. I mean, who doesn't? The man's a legend. He's in the Hall of Fame. But walking around town, just in general, not even a training camp, I wear my gear, and I get people that would just shake their head in disapproval. <laughs> I'm walking around town now, and I've got people high-fiving me, and I'm not joking. It is just so different night and day now that Dan's gone. In terms of FedEx Field, your guy that's there every single weekend, what sorts of improvements do you want Josh Harris and company to make right away? We've got to staff the stadium better. I mean, your first and second yes, interactions are parking and getting into the stadium. It took me 45 minutes to get in last year, and that's where season ticket holders are supposed to have a special VIP fast lane and it just wasn't staffed they need to do a better job at having people out there because you have fans i think uh matt paris who you had on is talking about four thousand plus more season ticket holders signing up well these are perks that people are looking for that they're selling us that we were not getting last year and i'm hoping that the harris ownership group makes some improvements around that and you know he talked about broken tvs and broken couches Believe it or not, those are a thing in that stadium. And I'm hoping when we get back out there for the Ravens game, all that's going to be gone. Yeah, Ted, do me a favor. Paint a picture for me of what last year at FedEx Field was like because I've been boycotting that stadium probably back to 2018. I haven't been to a game. Well, it was me and about 59,000 Philadelphia fans that I did not want to ever meet or speak <laughs> to. But, you know, FedEx... It's old. They have not made a ton of investments in it. And the old ownership group, I think there was an article in the Washington Post, they talked about, you know, Mrs. Snyder was being asked by Nick Sunberg's wife to have a changing station put in the bathroom so the players could change their kids. And in that Post article, she stated that we're getting a new stadium. We're not going to put one in. I mean, that's how crazy it was. And you're talking something that was $200 to put in. They would not do for a player's wife. So they didn't care about the players. They didn't really care about the fans or their experience because we were giving them money regardless. I was part of the problem. I wasn't going to stop going. (laughs) Now people are coming back, and they're going to make sure that they're going to get their money's worth. It's Tailgate Ted with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. He is a Hall of Fame tailgate chef in my mind, and a local TV chef. He's also the co-host of DMV Mess Hall, the podcast, and a diehard D.C. sports fan. Uh, So what is your take on the new stadium site? Are you all in to bring it to RFK? I was actually talking with D.C. Council member Kenyon McDuffie today. He was out of practice, and I would love it if we could get it back to RFK. That is the home of this team. That's the home of this franchise. But getting out of camp at about 645 this morning, I was talking with some older fans that haven't been out in a long time. And to me, what made RFK great was winning. No one would have cared or bounced up and down those bleachers if those teams did not win. So wherever the stadium is, if we get a winner on the field, that's all that's really going to matter. We'll make those bleachers shake regardless of the town. Does Sam Howell look like a winner to you? Sam does, but he needs help. Sam had a beautiful pass to Terry that I saw you retweet earlier. He's looked great at times, but that offensive line has struggled. And I really wanted to see what they could do against this defensive line now that they have pads on. And he's only going to be as good as those five guys blocking in front of him. 
Ted, love having you on the show, providing the fan perspective out at training camp. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Follow Ted on social media at Tailgate Ted and check out his podcast on Twitter at DMV Mess Hall. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it, Adam. You take care. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. It's 833-804-0910. If you've been out to training camp, I want to hear from you. 833-804-0910. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. It's AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Broadcasting live from the burger capital of America, Richmond, Virginia. So it's a running bit on the show, Zach. Anytime I have a burger now, I've got to talk about it on air. Where'd you go? Went back to Bovine. Bovine burger concept once again. I think that's Clifford's favorite. Oh, really? It's a lot of people voted number one. I I did say that I do think EZ Burger is better. Right behind ZZQ there in Scott's edition. It is the fact that it's very close to me, but also... I mean, they're using the bacon from ZZQ. That's, I mean, that's how good it is. It's also a bit of a thicker bacon. But I will say, back to bovine, the second time I've had it, uh, the burgers are terrific, but their sauce is what puts them over the top. Mm. They have, like, their own specialty sauces. They have one, like, it's called, like, a rustic barbecue. I don't, what does rustic mean? I have no idea. But it is, it is, it pummels any regular restaurant barbecue sauce. I mean, just destroys it. It's like liquid gold. It's that good. All right. You know what I've had to eat today, by the way? What's that? A blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> a leftover blizzard. I, I'm sorry. You're going to have to get used to it middays, man. We do the show. We don't eat much. And then as soon as it ends, we just pound food all night. <laughs> <laughs> I have one feeding per day. Well, I'm going to get you hungry because it's time for dude food. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so hungry I can't find the intro for the song, Avon. <laughs> Hang on. I don't know where it is. There's too many buttons. Well, I, I, I'm here's famished. a hint. It does say dude food. I know, but there's 73 <laughs> buttons here, and I've probably seen it 17 times. You know, Where's dude food? Well, it, you know, it should be on the sheet there. Dude there we go. food. We're not responsible for the content of this program or anything we say when we're really hungry. Where's my food? Dude, where's my food? The most delicious food you've ever tasted. Yes. I can eat this off a of flip loves food dude food so i just did want to bring this up uh quickly here mentioning i went to bovine burger concept one of the things that makes bovine so good and we don't have this in scott's edition it drives me crazy is that they are open till 2 a.m the kitchen is cooking burgers until 2 a.m and that's what puts them over the top according to yelp here are the top five late-night food spots in Richmond, Virginia. You have Jack Brown's Beer and Burger Joint off of Three Chopped. Everyone tells me that place is amazing. I still haven't been I yet. I about Jack Brown's. Yeah, Good I, burger there, too. I need to go. Um, Sidewalk Cafe. That is one of my favorite late-night spots. I, uh, they have, like, good pasta there late night, um, meatball subs. Everything at Sidewalk is really good. And that's what I love about Richmond is that even, like, the small dive bars have really good food. Uh, Bovine Burger Concept was number three, open till 2 a.m. Number two, Get Tight Lounge, mm. which, have you been there before? It's no, like, I live on the south side. Yeah, I'm living yeah. that Midlow life. It's right on campus. It's pretty boring food-wise. I, I want to think say that was called, like, Starlight when I was in college or something. Now it's rebranded as Get Tight. It's not that tight. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> not my favorite. It's not a go-to. They, you know, they had, I'm pretty sure, and I, I, I hate to hate on them if they want to be a sponsor, but I think they had like a spam sandwich on their menu late night. And I, I saw that. I think Spam tried walk- to make a comeback here I know. a couple days ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nashville has well, Spam sandwiches. Well, it's up to them to turn you on. Yeah. Right? Number one, though, I've never been to this place in Carver, Cobra Cabana. Oh, I've heard good things I've about heard that. good things, too. Uh, but here's what Big Story wanted to bring up on Dude Food today. Taco Bell. Taco Bell was sued today in a false advertising class action lawsuit where a consumer alleges... That Taco Bell completely misrepresents the amount of beef in the Crunchwrap Supreme by at least double the amount. What was your first reaction when you saw this lawsuit, dude? Um, I just went to Taco Bell the other night. I, <laughs> it was a long day. Anytime it's like a marathon day yeah. and it's late at night, it's right there on the corner. Right. And I'm like, F it. Yeah. I'm going to Taco Bell. And it was like, it, there was nothing in there. <laughs> nothing in just no company. meat no. so frank saragusa on behalf of himself and others uh situated he is the plaintiff against taco bell corp and he brings this action lawsuit against taco bell on behalf of himself and all other similarly situated individuals who purchased a crunch wrap supreme a grande crunch wrap a vegan crunch wrap or a mexican pizza from the Taco Bell located in New York during the period of July 31st, 2020 through July 31st, 2023. This class action lawsuit against Taco Bell for unfair and deceptive trade practices for falsely advertising the amount of beef or other ingredients in all of the menu items. I, I just think it's hilarious. Like, does he not realize that companies like Taco Bell and McDonald's, they hire marketing firms and photographers to make the fakest stuff out there. You know, it, like it never looks like that. I know. The cereal is is not milk. It's it's Elmer's glue. It is. You know, when they make pizza, it's not really cheese. They're, you know, they're gluing the cheese. That's why it pulls apart for 15 feet. I mean, it's like I hope beer is beer though in the ads. Yeah. That always I just me. I wonder like what is Frank Frank Saragusa thinking? He's a resident of Ridgewood, New York. And he believes that he purchased an overstated menu item at Taco Bell. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just think I'm reading through this lawsuit. It's so funny. Number nine on the list says that Taco Bell uses the same uniform photos on Taco Bell's in-store and drive through menu items and on their website and on food delivery service websites and mobile ordering applications. Basically, all the photos are the same, Frank. You're not getting anything different. Yeah, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And you know what, though? It was still delicious. I wasn't trying to knock them before. I keep going back to Taco Bell yeah. because it's delicious. Well, the thing is, is this lawsuit has picked up some steam. Uh, according to the report on September 15, 2020, a reporter for The Sun published an article stating that the Mexican pizza, quote, wasn't as beefy as the commercial pictures made it. Look, if you're going to Taco Bell and you're ordering the Mexican pizza, I'm sorry you did it wrong. <laughs> I love pizza. The pizza's always banging on AWOD radio. I'm not getting it from Taco Bell. Maybe they're fries. All right. But besides that, I'm ordering the quesadilla or a simple taco. I go Taco Supreme. <laughs> you do? Yeah. I, I I do really like the Doritos Locos tacos. When they Whatever. started. Throw I, hot sauce on it and it's awesome. Well, when they started the Doritos one, I was like, there's no way this is going to last. Right. It's like Those a red taco. But nacho. It's still there four so years later. So good. It's so good. Uh, 
here's another part of of the action lawsuit uh, against Taco Bell. The advertisement for the Grande Crunchwrap Supreme can be located online, and the screenshot can be received by a customer located on the YouTube channel, and the amount is not overstated of the beef or the ingredients contained in the advertisement. You know what? I'm on Taco Bell's side for this. You know what, Frank? Take this sh lawsuit and shove it up your you-know-what. I'm on Taco Bell's team. You know, Frank Saragusa of New York City thinks he can just open a lawsuit. You know what? He thinks he's going to be a, a millionaire. He thinks that because he saw the lady from Domino's complaining about the tater tots. Right. Right. What, why are you ordering tater tots from Domino's? Right. And he saw the uh, make them better in he your saw house. the Seinfeld episode where Kramer yeah. sues for the, the coffee being too hot. I'm not <laughs> a fan of these people at all. That's I'm putting not either. it nicely. It, it, it really. But I will say, looking at the photos, it is so funny. Because he took pictures of the Crunchwrap Supreme advertisement and his actual Crunchwrap Supreme from July 31st, 2020. And it, it looks hilarious because the Crunchwrap Supreme looks like... It's like six layers on the advertisement, and then he's picking it up, and it looks like just two chips shoved together. <laughs> it is really funny. And I will say, uh, from his picture, he's doing it wrong. He There's zero hot sauce on his Crunchwrap Supreme. If yes. you don't load that thing with hot sauce, sauce you're doing it, up, it wrong. Frank. Yes. What's the matter with what you? What are you doing, man? And why are you not getting their nacho cheese on the side so you can dip it in? It's like he doesn't know that there's a cheat sheet at all Taco Bell. Uh, he knows. <laughs> He's not doing Guy's it right. for quick money. He you needs know to go to a homestyle restaurant where they take pictures of food in their kitchen. And the food that they serve to your table is better. Yeah. It looks better. Well, how about this, Frank Siragusa of, of New York? If you want to take photos of the advertisement and compare it to the actual Crunchwrap Supreme, how about you show us an actual photo of yourself so we can see you're a 400-pound overweight male who doesn't need to be going to Taco Bell. Why don't you cook your own meal, Frank Siragusa? I'm going in like five minutes. <laughs> you're going to be at... You're going to be at Taco Bell. And I'm not taking pictures because I'm not like yeah. that. You're going to be at Taco Bell before Grant and Danny crack the mics. It's true. <laughs> Grant's back. Yeah, Grant is back, and he had his third kid. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty quick. You know what Grant Paulson? Yeah, I know. He does, <laughs> and this is the greatest bit that I've ever heard of. He names all of his kids after former presidents. Oh, yeah, because they, they do get a little political from time to time. Well, they're in D.C. So they're in D.C., so yeah. they have to. But I, he's, he's got uh, all these amazing... Named kid like I've met his daughter Reagan. I think there's nice. there might be a Truman, and then I, I don't know the the name of the new kid, but I do know it's gonna be named after a president. That's a fact. Hopefully not this one. <laughs> it's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington D.C. I'll see you guys tomorrow at 12 noon on the Fan.